This is the Teaching Primary Music Podcast, where you will learn effective, tried and true methods to teach children the gospel of Jesus Christ through music. I am Courtney Ekman. And I am Charlotte Dance. We have with us today special guest Melanie Hoffman. Melanie was born in Richfield, Utah, where she grew up listening to musicals, singing in the ward choir, and performing in community theater with her dad. Melanie received her BA in art from Brigham Young University. During her time there, she also met her husband, Roger. Melanie has written nearly 200 published songs for children. She loves reading, drawing, going for walks, joyfully meeting the extravagant birthday cake requests of her grandchildren, art, nature, yoga, the ocean, and any time that she gets to spend with her family. I met Melanie in person 15 years ago, but I met her music a long time ago because my children had her songs running in our family all the time. What are some of the things that you have written that you think children would have listened to? We started with scripture scouts and then we wrote happy, happy, joy, joy, joy. We wrote the all abouts. Maybe you don't know the new ones, but we've written a thing called We Are Amazing for Children for Elementary School, and then stories of Jesus about the life of the Savior. So those are the ones that I've done with children's music. Obviously, we have a great love for children and doing children's music. It's kind of amazing. (laughs) Yes. The reason that we would love to interview right now before the Easter season starts is tell us about Gethsemane. Tell us about the composition, how it came about, what happened, what happened in your life before you wrote it so that you could even write this piece. As I've thought about that, I realized that I was so blessed. Uh, Ten years before, we had a chance to go to Israel. Roger played the part of the Savior in a production called The Garden. They took us to Israel for 10 days, which was just astounding. And I saw all those places. And then I took an institute class in our stake from a woman. Her name was Kathy Hoffman, no relation, but truly a kindred spirit. And she was the most amazing on-fire teacher. And And it was the New Testament. I just loved it so much, loved it, loved it, loved it. And then different things happened in our lives. And we came to 10 years later and a really great friend that liked to help us with our music. And he said, what would you like to do? And I said, I'd love to do something like Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat because I love the energy there. And it's just so much fun. But I said, but I'd love to do it about the Savior We'd already had one song that we'd written before that was See the Joy, and it was first song on the album. There was one song done, and we figured there there should be about 15 songs. And so we started writing it. I started writing it, and it was an amazing. It was the most incredible experience. I love writing. We've had I've had some amazing experiences writing for children, but this one, you know, was really close to my heart because it was the Savior's life and my chance to get children to understand who he is and why why he loves us and that he does love us. So anyway, I we kind of mapped it out and I looked to see what stories we wanted to do. And the one thing that concerned me was talking about the suffering of the Savior because it was, it was supposed to be for a primary age children, you know, that's a pretty big gap. 
<laughs> but small to, to large. And I just didn't know what to say. And some beautiful songs have been written already about the Savior and his suffering. And I love There Is a Green Hill Far Away, written by one of my heroes, Cecile Alexander. I think that's her name. Anyway, she was a pastor's wife and she loved children and she wrote I mean, she's written some amazing things. Look her up. I thought, well, maybe I'll use that. Maybe I'll use There is a Green Hill Far Away and because the children might recognize that. And that'd be great. <laughs> so we were up in the mountains writing a song, The Loaves and Fishes story, which was really, wow. It was <laughs> to get it to all rhyme and have it be, it was crazy, but it was really fun. We had just finished that one and we were coming down the canyon and the words came into my mind, Gethsemane, Jesus loves me. And I just, it, it, it hit me like a thunderbolt. And I said to Roger, listen to this. And so I told him the words and I said, there really is a song. There is a song for them, for children. So I came home and uh, one of those incredible opportunities of sitting down and writing it and having the words come. I got the scriptures out and got the images and, and, you know, it just kind of all flowed together. I remembered walking up the hill when I, we were in Israel, walking up the hill to the garden of Gethsemane. And it was hard. We were, we did take slow steps because it was really steep. And of course, that's the first line of the song. And the more I wrote, the more I was just astounded by the beauty and simplicity of this song. And when it got to the bridge, the hardest thing that ever was done, the greatest pain that ever was known, the biggest battle that ever was won, this was done by Jesus. I was just, it was so amazing. And I was so grateful because I, I knew that it was straight from heaven. And it was something that I really truly wanted it gave me the opportunity to help children understand the power of the Savior's love for them. So that's how it, it came about. And it was interesting because I knew it was an important song, but um, it, <laughs> it, it took a while to get it recognized. It was, it was in his hands again, and, and finally it came to light. The beauty of the internet is that it, it took off virally and that's how that's how it came <laughs> so do you have any experiences to tell us about the effect of gethsemane on some of the congregations around the world i do there's been some really sweet and holy things that people have shared with us i thought about one that happened a few years ago not in our stake but in orem another stake the stake president from that stake told me about what happened there was a little 10 year old boy who I guess he must have had a great primary chorister because she had instilled in them this just love for songs. And he came to her and he said, there's this new song. We've got to learn it. It's called Gethsemane. We really got to learn it. And she, he was just so excited. And she's okay, well, I'll get the music and, and we'll check it out. And that week he was killed in a car accident. He, he was driving across this just right down here across 1600 North on his bike. He was riding his bike and he was hit and killed. And so his primary class, he was, an, I think he was 10. Uh, his primary class learned the song and they sang it at his funeral. 
And I was just so touched by that story. He was getting ready to go home, but he just had this great joy and wanted to pass this song on. So that's one. This week, uh, we heard from a father in India who said, I wrote it down because it was such a cool thing that he said. He said, my seven-year-old daughter loves Gethsemane because it is a song with much anointing. And she would love to sing it in, during Holy Week. And could we get permission to sing that? It was like, oh, yes, you can have permission. <laughs> it was really a, a sweet thing. And we've had different congregations for like the Passion Play in Germany and in Ireland and Africa and just around uh, other Christian congregations that want to use it which is just a complete miracle to me because there's no way we could have done that on our own. There's there's no way to orchestrate that. It's been his hand to, to lead it. Another experience that was shared by one of our dear friends is that she lives in California and she had been suffering from breast cancer and it had several bouts of it re reoccurring and really had been through a lot. And at one point she was in the hospital I think her third time being treated for this and having an operation. And she said it was a really, it's a really difficult place to be because there's so much suffering. And there was a woman across the hall from her that was just moaning and, and really in a lot of pain. And her little daughter, who was nine at the time, came to visit her mom and she wanted to sing Gethsemane for her. So she started singing. And her mom said, now this little girl's not afraid to sing. <laughs> she So she did not sing it quietly. She belted out Gethsemane. And she said, the most astounding thing happened. The woman across the hall stopped moaning. And the and the nurses came to the door. They, they Everyone stopped and listened to this little girl bear witness of the Savior's love for us and his compassion for us and and I love that because it it was her she was able to do that as a child very powerfully and that's one of the things I love about the simplicity of the song is that children can it's theirs they bear witness about of the savior through the song and they do it enthusiastically so what would you like children to know about this song what would you like the primary leaders throughout the world to kind of um, make sure as they teach that they acknowledge some things? What what kinds of things would you like them to teach? I like the fact that it's a story. So it tells what really happened, you know, and they can imagine those pictures can come into their minds of, of walking up the hill and his friends being asleep and him being alone. I think that's important. And I think the bridge is really important. Talking about the fact that he was the only one that could do this, the hardest thing, the most pain, most difficult, fiercest battle. He was the only one that could do that. And he did. He fought for us. The other thing is I've had people say, you know, how come you changed the chorus? which you don't do in a song that you want people to remember. <laughs> you keep the same chorus. But it was really important to have children understand that he gave his gift to me, to me, from Gethsemane. And then he gives his gift to me from Gethsemane. 
it's a gift that he has given, but we have to take it. We have to take it upon ourselves and say, I will receive this incredible gift that the Savior gave me that when he was in Gethsemane and on the cross. That's the other thing. Gethsemane was the beginning and then the cross was the culmination. So the whole thing is the atonement that you want children to understand. That's beautiful. It's exactly what I would love my children to know. If you were to say with all of this background in music and all of this experience being in music, I don't know if our um, listeners know that your husband owns a recording studio that you guys have been involved in music your whole lives. What kinds of things are different about music than the spoken word? What do we need to know as music primary leaders about music, about what music can do? We actually, Roger and I left full-time employment with insurance, health insurance, and all that stuff to write music, to become self-employed and to write music. So yes, we have done it our whole lives. Yesterday, we went to my aunt's funeral, and she is the last aunt on both sides, the last one of that generation to go. And she loved music. And I come from a family that grandfathers, great grandfathers and all my my fa- my own family my mom and dad everybody just really loved music they weren't professional they just loved music and they just you know I, I grew up with it playing musicals you know and dancing through the house singing and stuff it just brought so much joy into our home so i think that's one thing is that it can bring so much joy where our stake president just came for word conference this last Sunday. He brought his guitar and his amp and he had his crew there <laughs> to help him set up. He brought a tambourine and and shakers and he brought combs so they could play the boop boop, you know, the mouth harp. That's what he called them, but he brought a bunch of combs and wax paper. We sang, I'm a child of God. Oh, and my, our, he gave the bishop bongo drums. So we sang, I'm a child of God, and whenever I hear the song of a bird, and follow the prophet, and then he wrote a new song for our children in the stake. I know that not everybody can do that, but the joy that was there just from just singing together, that was his message. His message was the music, and boy, did they get it. And then yesterday at this funeral, this family, nine children, all incredibly musical, and two had been in the Tabernacle Choir and a lifetime of just loving music and supporting us, helping us with our music. They've, they've been so cheerleaders that to help us, Roger and I, get the music done that we need to, which has been such a blessing. But that funeral that's that's why today I feel like a truck hit me because it was so it was so powerful it was full of music and and angels were there there was heavenly choirs singing god be with you at the end it was so astounding the words were powerful but the music transcended everything and connected us directly to heaven and it was so palpable that there wasn't anyone there that didn't feel it. It was so beautiful. And then Roger sang Consider the Lilies, which is one of their favorites. And 
It's funny. It's my cousins, but they adopted him really. (laughs) So he's their cousin too. And because he wrote it, it's been a real special thing in both sides of my family for funerals. And once again, where the words are powerful, but then the music is sung and it just, it just brings such healing and hope. I love that you said it connects us to heaven. The words are true and the words can testify, but music takes it up a level. And I think that's why they want us to teach children in music so much. That's half of the time that we have with the children is to teach them the songs of the gospel music yes. to heaven. Yes, it really does. And if we can do it with joy, you know, for children and at a good tempo <laughs> so that they can feel it with their whole bodies and souls, then I think we have given them a tremendous way to find their savior. So one last question. I know we've talked about this before we started recording, but Tell us what you have planned to write for children about the second coming. Roger and I have felt very strongly about this. In 2014, we made an album for grownups called He Is Coming. And it has some original songs preparing people to be thinking about the second coming. But we always knew that the real thing we needed to do, the biggest thing we needed to do, the most important thing we needed to do is write for children to help them understand about the second coming. And so in 2017, I spent the entire year, I went to the library every day and researched, wrote down things and not one song came in a year. And that was really, I could not understand why, because I was doing everything that I knew how to do. And every other time in my life, if I if it was time to write, it happened, but this time it hadn't. And then President Nelson became the prophet and he started talking about the second coming on a regular basis. And the things he was saying were so wonderful. And it just kind of made me kind of hone in to some very specific things that I could be writing about for children about the second coming. So we are now once again, we can't go on a full-time mission, Roger and I. We're, we're at the age, but we can't because of family commitments. So our full-time mission is to get this music written for children about the second coming. And there's some beautiful, beautiful images, beautiful ideas. You have given me a wonderful idea about welcoming, welcome Jesus. And I think that the thing we want to do is to give them pictures, help them imagine what it's going to be like. And that I, I sat down with my grandchildren. And I said, what is it going to be like? What do you think it's going to be like during the millennium? It was so beautiful. I, I wish I had the list here. It was so beautiful. The things that they thought about the conditions of the earth from a child's point of view, they were so beautiful. And I thought that's what they need to have things that they can hold on to because this world is really trying so hard <laughs> Well, the world is, well, we know who's trying so hard to make children be so immersed in everything else. And so I think if we can give them something to hold on to about him coming and have joy and excitement for it and not be afraid, because as Babylon falls, Zion is rising. 
There's so many glorious things to happen. That's why all these prophets have said, this is the greatest time that we can be living in. We have nothing to fear if we are pointed towards a Savior, if we have laser-like focus on the Savior. And I think if we can give children songs that help them have laser-like focus on Him and anticipation and excitement for Him coming, that would be a fabulous thing. So they haven't come yet. <laughs> and I am believing and hoping and praying that He will send the songs as we are in a position to receive them. So that's the plan. That's the hope. And that's what we're working on. <laughs> you're giving Courtney and I goosebumps as you're talking about this. We're so excited. Oh. So I really appreciate that. Thank you for making a song that is so concrete. The children can feel the walking. They can see the apostles sleeping. The, the music is the essence of the feel of what it is to have the sorrow and yet he overcame thank you so much i am humbled and grateful that that he would send it yeah. because it was a gift a, a complete gift you know and there's no <laughs> i oh you know we mortals are not really very great on our own but wow we can do great things with god with God on our side. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for taking this time to talk to us. We have a special treat for you today. Instead of ending with our normal song, Melanie has graciously given us permission to share her song, Gethsemane. Thank you. 